Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. They say if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And that is one of the topics we're going to be talking about, the idea um, from Steve Farber. Love is just damn good business. A provocative book title, his newest book, uh, out in September of 2019. Steve, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Thank you, Chad. It's a great pleasure to be here. You talk- Live and in person. Yeah, no I know. This is one of those rare podcasts where we're not Skyping in. We're actually in the in the palatial studios here at Ken Blanchard's headquarters. And so we're going to be talking about, you talk about do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. Yeah. Why is this topic, why did it resonate for you? Why did you feel called to, to, to research this and put this on in print? Yeah, well, you know, I've been in the business of uh, leadership development, loosely speaking, uh, for 30 years. And it just became really increasingly clear to me over time that love, you know, first of all, it's a subject that makes a lot of business people squirm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they think it's going to be some kind of, and I can say this because I live here in California, some kind of California touchy-feely hoo-ha mm-hmm. crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, love is the foundation of what great leadership is, and it's at the foundation of any great thriving competitive business. And you see it everywhere. You see it in, in, in Ken's work. You see it in Kuzis and Posner's work. You see it. It, it, it shows up everywhere. But I thought that it was time to put a megaphone behind the idea yeah. and, and bring it front and center. Um, so that that was the inspiration behind the book is to is to dispel this myth that somehow love and business are mutually exclusive, and as many people feel that love has no place in business, and that's just a crock. Yeah, you know, we may have lost people right away with the L word. We may have. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. There's yeah. certain people. Ah, this I'm not going to. But if you've stuck with us. Tell us right now, why is love a competitive advantage? Yeah. So let's start with, with the, uh, the objective of any great business, right? Any great th- thriving competitive business will be creating products and services that their customers are going to love. We should all know by now the customer satisfaction doesn't yield anything, right? right? It doesn't yield loyalty, word of mouth, anything like that. So when our customers or clients love us, that's where the magic happens for us as a business. Now, if we back that up one step, the only way to really create product, service, experience that our customers are going to love in a meaningful and sustainable way over time is to create a culture that people love working in. And I can't create that kind of culture as a leader unless I love it, the business, the people that work for me, customers, clients, myself first. So... It starts with the impact that we're having on our customers and therefore the impact on our bottom line. 
this isn't soft, abstract stuff. It's, I'm not talking about love as a sentiment. This mm-hmm. is love as a discipline. Mm-hmm. And does it look different from what it looks like at home with spouse, child, a significant other? I, I certainly hope so, right? Uh, but, it's still, but it's still love. It could be love of the cause, love of the, of the values that we stand for, love of the clients that we're serving, love of the great future that we can create together. That's where the, that's where the juice comes from. And in my experience, Chad, because, you know, I speak all over the world mm-hmm. to business people, and I don't lose people when they hear the word love. Mm-hmm. I do see a little bit of squirming going on at first, but really what I find is that once people hear it, it's a confirmation for what they already know. And for a lot of people, it's, it's almost like they've been given permission to, to really step into and act on an impulse or an instinct that they've always had but haven't acted on because they thought they weren't supposed to or that people would think they were nuts. So give me an example. What does love look like at an organization? And, and what I do love about this book is, is there's a lot of stories in here. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. examples. So when, 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 when you want to demystify love and you want to quantify love in a business setting, what does that yeah. look like? Yeah, and it could look like thousands of different things. Um, so, for example, uh, we tell the story in the book of a guy named Brian Stevens who has had a very successful career in the franchising world. He was uh, president and CEO of uh, Marco's Pizza, which is now one of the fastest growing food franchises in the country. He came up through Yum Brands. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, he's really kind of a legend in the franchising industry. In his early days um, of his management career, he was the manager of a Ponderosa Steakhouse. And he was brought in as the youngest manager I think they'd ever had at the time uh, to turn the place around. It was the worst restaurant in the chain, mm-hmm. in uh, in a you know a challenged economically challenged you know area in in Indiana I believe. And he came in and he saw that you know their employees were showing up late for work, they were wearing dirty clothes, the place was in disarray. The typical response that a new manager might have in that scenario is to come in and, you know, let the hammer fall. Mm-hmm. Say, I will not tolerate tardiness. Mm-hmm. Make sure that your clothes are cleaned and all that. But Brian's approach was, first of all, asking the question, who, who are, who, who's, who's on my team? Who are these people? And, and really a curiosity about what their lives were like. And here's what he discovered. People were late for work oftentimes because they couldn't afford their own car and the public transportation was not reliable so oftentimes it wasn't their fault when they were late people were wearing dirty clothes dirty uniforms to work mm-hmm. because many of them didn't have washers and dryers at home so what do you think he did he picked them up <laughs> at their homes and drove them to work he washed their clothes and on and on now why did he do that well, on the one hand, you could say it's to get you know more performance out of them, mm-hmm. but that's not the typical approach that people will use to quote unquote get more performance. Right. He did it because he he loved them, he had compassion for them, he wanted to help them, and at the same time, he was really great at painting the vision for what this place could become, and he brought them from last to first in the chain in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. That was the beginning of his career, and he's just built on that ever since. 
And that's just one of, I mean, thousands of examples. How do you show your kids that you love them? What's the one way to show your kids? There's a thousand ways to show your kids. The same is true in business. It just looks different. All right. So one of the goals of this podcast is to, and I, I've not come up with a better word for it, but it's kind of mechanize the ideas. Yeah. So how mm-hmm. does how does one, if they're listening right now and we're just a few minutes into the podcast, how would one go about, um, as you say in the book, falling in love? How do you yeah. kind of create that? Because we're not always, always maybe wired like that gentleman with with uh, the Ponderosa, the initially with the Ponderosa mm-hmm. chain. How do you how do you how do you make the changes? to where you can take this concept and and act on it. Yeah, I think it starts with asking the right questions. So if it's true that there are thousands of ways to, as I like to say, operationalize love, Mm -hmm. or make it, you know, getting into the mechanics of it, as you say, um, then it doesn't, it's not particularly helpful to give a list of a thousand things because it's all gonna be very situational, Mm -hmm. right? So I think it starts with asking a simple question like, if we really, loved our customers. And you could apply this in any context, love their customers, love our employees, stakeholders, whatever it is. What would we do differently? And then just to have a conversation around that, right? What, what impact would that have on our, um, on our customer service policies and procedures? Take a look at those and say, do, do, do the, the way that we, I know I'm speaking in generalities mm-hmm. here, but the way that we handle customer returns, for example, does that say that I love you mm. <laughs> or yeah. not? And, and if we really did love them, which is what we aspire to, what would we do differently mm. to show it, to prove it, right? So ultimately, it all comes down to the actions. Now, everybody has expertise in their own arena. And what I find is, because I'm kind of, you know, uh, as, as I'm sure is true here at, at, at BTD and any other company that does the kind of work that we do, it's not that we have deep expertise in any particular industry, right? It's more broad-based, the mm-hmm. human side of business. So what I find is, by posing the right question, it unleashes the expertise wherever it is. And you can walk into any company and ask those kind of questions, the right questions, and it, you'll come up with, with dozens of ideas in a very short period of time. Some of them will be implementable. Some of them will be good ideas. Some of them won't work. But that's the starting place. But it's about the people. Always. Yeah. So, so here's – it's about the people, and it's also about the – it's a very internal thing. So the, the book is structured in three, stre- in three sections – or stretchions, mm-hmm. if you prefer. <laughs> we just made up a new word. I like it. Uh, do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. Right. So that's the, the, the mantra behind this whole thing. So doing what you love. You started this podcast by saying if you, if you, do, what you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm. Well, I do what I love. Mm. And I work. Yeah. I work. And there are, listen, there are things. Well, I did say they say. They say. They say. They, they may be wrong, they. but they say it. <laughs> so, yes, I'm doing what I love. And, yes, there are days that, that still feel like drudgery. Right. And, and there are times where I have to do things I don't love in order to do the work that I love. Right. And there's a technical term for that. We call it 
being an adult, <laughs> right? So, but do what you love is the foundation of this whole thing. So yes, I want to do what I love. In other words, I want to bring my heart into my work, but that's not the whole story. If all I'm focusing on is what I love to do, and I don't really care about the impact of that on anybody else, that's just another way of saying narcissism, mm. right? So yes, I'm doing what I love, but I'm using that, that fire to serve people. So that's section two, in the service of people. Mm. So that's the part where we begin to operationalize it, right? Yeah. That's what we were just talking about. Yeah. How, do I, how do I use the, you know, my heart in order to give great value to other people? And I'm not just serving them because I know I'm supposed to and feel obliged to, and every book that I read tells me that I should. But I want to serve them in such a profound way that the impact is that they reciprocate with that love. They love me in return. So do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. So yes, it's all about the people. But the, the first part of this exploration is, is really very kind of introspective and internal. Why do I love this work, this business? this company, this team, mm. these customers? Uh, or what do I love about it? Because sometimes, you know, I'll ask the question, well, why do I love this work? Mm -hmm. Or why do I love this team? Well, well, <laughs> uh, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. And that's a perfectly fine answer if that's real, Yeah. right? If that's yeah. authentic. So this isn't about faking it. So then the next question might be, well, can I find something about the people on the team or about this place that I do love, something that really does kind of light my fire and that I can maybe, you know, stoke that a little bit. But again, it starts with asking the right questions and being, and being aware. And then as we begin to move it out, you know, in the service of people, that's where, you know, we begin to realize I've got to create the right kind of culture, whether it's the culture of my team or the, you know, the actual culture of the whole, the whole enterprise. Because that, if it's a culture based on love, which, by the way, to me doesn't mean group hugs in the hallway right, and right. nobody ever argues yeah. and people walk around with big goofy grins on their faces. And I mean, that sounds nauseating, frankly. A place that's characterized by love, a culture that's characterized by love is one where people are, are really committed to each other to helping to fulfill each other's hopes, needs, dreams, aspirations, uh, and to do that for our clients, right? And that can get really messy, and that can get really contentious at mm -hmm. times because the standards are higher. If I love this place, I'm not going to tolerate substandard right. performance or apathy. Or pe it's, so it can, it can be a very you know, lively, challenging kind of a place to work because it's driven by love. But yes, it's about the people and the relationships that we have and the way that we support each other, challenge each other and all that for the purpose of giving tremendous value that our customers are going to love. Yeah, you talked about oper 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 operating. Or I Operationalizing. Operationalize. I've practiced that word a lot. Wow. <laughs> I, I, mechanize. I, I'm yeah. just going to stick with mechanize. Mechanize so, is so, good. Yeah. Operationalize. Well, you talked about that. So that's kind of the skill sets that's involved, yeah. right? And the, the, the tasks you can do. When I think about a concept like this, and, and I've, been, I've challenged, I've pushed back at some of our guests from time to time, not, not in a negative way, but just to say, what about the mindset? You know, yeah. is everybody wired to be able to 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 do this, to do what you're talking yeah. about, or is this something you have to hire for? Is this something that you can train? <clears throat> so the answer, this is a very profound answer. Yes and no, yeah. and yes and no. It kind of reminds me of the, the, you know, the old uh, leadership question, are leaders born or are they made, mm. right? And the answer to that is yes. Mm. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I've never yet met a leader that's not born. So yeah. apparently that's a prerequisite. Yeah. But uh, um, <clears throat> so there are people that are more naturally inclined to this. So, for example, if you walk into, uh, you know, you're doing your shopping, you walk into a grocery store, you're looking for, you're looking for a particular product, you go up to the employee and you ask that person um, for help in finding this thing. And it becomes really clear to you in that moment that that person hates this freaking place, Right. Right. Now, is that a reflection of that person or is it a reflection of that culture? We don't know. It depends, yeah. Chances are pretty good that that res- response is a reflection of what their experience is like in working there. But then there, are, there is such a thing as a miserable person. Doesn't matter how great the place right. is, they're still going to be miserable. Right. Right? Right. So, yes, there are some people that are just not going to get it. Yeah. And in my experience, and I can't prove this, but in my experience, the vast majority of people at least want to get closer to this, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've learned for myself that I'm really not in the business of convincing anybody of anything. I'm in the confirmation business, mm-hmm. not the convincing business, right? Mm-hmm. So what I find is just laying these ideas out there, the people that are already kind of, let's say, um, uh, you know, leaning in that direction, mm-hmm. It, it emboldens them to step up, right? Now, having said that, think of the implications for the kind of people that we hire. Right. I want to hire people that are that are more predisposed to you know having that you know place in their heart for for other people and wanting to make a difference and and you know fortunately our you know um, millennials and Gen Z and all that are are as a I know I'm again overgeneralizing mm-hmm, a bit mm-hmm. but there's this this lovely kind of tendency in, in, in this direction right. already. Yeah. So when you when you think about that, you know, one of the things that Ken always likes to say, and I really appreciate here at, at, at Blanchard is, you know, you, you take the time, take extra time, be very deliberate, hire the right people, yeah. because even if they're not the right person in the uh, if they're the right person but in the wrong position, we fired the right person. We can find something for them. So so you say, you know, be extra careful, make that sure that it fits with the culture. Yeah. What results is as you look through this and you did your research and you did your studies what what did you find how did it affect the bottom line yeah so there's a couple of really um uh, profound uh examples that that we talk about in the book um there's a company in jacksonville florida called trailer bridge Mm -hmm. which is a shipping logistics company and you know relatively small company been around for uh about 30 years now i'm thinking Mm -hmm. um their background was uh to use a word that, unfortunately, we use a lot nowadays, toxic, mm-hmm. right? So this was a company that, that people hated working in. Uh, they were uh, barely getting by, and in fact, they actually went bankrupt at mm. one point. Uh, they burned through um, four CEOs in three years, four heads of HR in the same period of time, right. uh, and, and were just barely getting by. They tapped a guy named Mitch uh, Luciano, who uh, was part of the management team at the time, and asked him to become the CEO. And the first thing he said was, I'll take the job, but I won't take the title mm. because it has a baggage associated with it. Mm. And he said, I need to earn it. So I'll, you call me president, I'll earn the title of CEO. Now, it just so happens that Mitch was – he subscribed to this whole love concept. He had he had read my first three books, um, The Radical Leap, The Radical Edge, Greater Than Yourself, 
This was something that already formed a, a, a part of his philosophy. So when he stepped into that role with conscious intent, he wanted to prove that he loved this team, he loved this company, and that we could create something great. So he went about the operationalizing or mechanics of love uh, by, uh, first of all, he removed all the name tags in the company. I mean, it's very, very symbolic, mm-hmm. right? But it's a small company. Right. So why are, we, why are we wearing name tags? Yeah. If we don't know each other, something's wrong. So he kind of forced everybody's hand getting rid of their name tags. He actually lowered the height of the cubicles in the mm-hmm. office so people could see each other and encouraged people to get to know each other as human beings. Uh, and then they changed everything from, you know, how they hire people and the, the way they run their meetings, et cetera, et cetera. And to get to your question about the results, um, the last two years in a row, these guys have been voted number one and number two best place to work in the city of Jacksonville. Wow. They have had the most profitable performance in the history of the company. Uh, the last couple of years, their um, I can't remember if it was if it was revenue or profitability, but some significant financial number Metric, right. was better than the the previous twenty five years combined. Uh, they have a reputation in the industry that's that's this used to be just price based, and now their reputation is about the service that they give to their customers, and they're very overt about this. We want to prove to our customers that we love them, and, they, and they're you know they sh- they're shippers. They're they're mm-hmm. they they ship between. The mainland in Puerto Rico, primarily. Um, so, what does it look like in terms of their customers? So, in the in the old days, when they were going bankrupt, if they had a container shipping to Puerto Rico from Jacksonville, and the container was only half full, they'd postpone the shipment. They would wait until it filled up, which kind of makes sense if right. you're thinking about. But think about it from the customer's perspective. I, I told them my car is going to be delivered in Puerto Rico on this date. Now you're telling me it's delayed because you guys didn't have the wherewithal to fill the container, right? So what they decided was, if we loved our customers, we'd, we'd sail no matter what. Mm. And they started sailing. Mm. And now they rarely sail. I mean, they sail all the time, and they're rarely under 93%, 94% full. Yeah. So they're making money hand over fist because of their reputation, because it all just comes down to this one really simple idea. It's not an idea, but an idea that leads to a new set of practices. We're talking with Steve Farber, the author of Love is Just Damn Good Business. And I like that title. We had a, a, an author a, a, a few months ago, Jen Sincero, um, uh, and her title was You Are a Badass. Yeah, so I love these provocative title. yeah, titles. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so these are good. So give me another example. Give me another, because because there, there's because the, the people that are still listening, there's going to be a naysayer to say, okay, first off, that was a really good trailer bridge, really good example, because yeah. they were they were about as dark as it could be. And right. then obviously, if they're in best places to work surveys, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. Give me another example that you hold up and say, see, this works. Yeah. Love works. So let's take a different, a completely different uh, starting point. Yeah. OAC Services is an engineering consulting company in Seattle, Washington. Uh, they've been around for nearly 100 years, or certainly somewhere between 60 and 100 years. Mm-hmm. It was a company that was doing just fine, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they really wanted to um, uh, attract new talent. 
they wanted to start to grow the company. They've been kind of, you know, just steady and cool and cool with it, mm-hmm. you know, for a very long time. Uh, Sean Mahoney, who's the managing principal, um, got this, uh, you know, he, he caught that love bug and, and said, all right, we're going to make this uh, a, a conscious and intentional part of the way that we, the way that we operate. So they, they got the whole company. Again, it was a fairly small company, so it's easier to do this. They got the whole company involved, first of all, in a discussion of what is it that we really stand for? Who are we at OAC? It's that values clarification stuff that you know, we've done in some form or another for years and years and right. years. The difference here is that they, they really put love front and center in the, in the, in the discussion, right? So what ended up happening is they, they came around, by they, I mean collectively, the, all the employees in the company came around to defining their set of values, and they actually adopted, wasn't forced on them, they adopted from their perspective as part of their mission these words. We do what we love in the service of people who love what we do. Huh. So they actually used these words and and brought it into their own vernacular, right? And then went about the business of, of looking at everything from how we make decisions and who makes those decisions to, again, the kind of people that we hire, the relationship that we have with our clients. And they, got, they were very uh, overt about what they stood for. And they started to attract a different level of client. Now, here's, there's a common theme that's coming out of this. They were voted number one best place to work yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. in, in the, uh, the state of Washington, yeah. right? So which gave them a whole new level of visibility, which gave them a, a, a platform to say, this is what we stand for, and started to attract an even, they already had a great level of client, but an even higher level of client and people. And listen, they started from, they, they weren't toxic and they had to turn the place around. They were fine. Now compare that to Trailer Bridge, who, who were in desperate straits, right. But the, what's, what's true about both of those places is they made an overt commitment to putting these ideas into practice and being willing to let go of the past and, and embrace a new way of doing things going forward. And I also, you know, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. Neither of these places is perfect, yeah. right? right. Uh, and, they, and this is... As one of my clients said once upon a time, this love stuff is really hard work, and you have to you have to be willing to set your ego aside uh, to do this. Uh, and but the payoff is the payoff is tremendous. It really is. It's a stake in the ground, and it's a decision that that you're going to be different, and and you have to be different, and that could be the competitive advantage that lets you thrive and survive. I believe it is. Into the next generation. Yeah, I I believe it is. I I believe that that love is the ultimate competitive advantage, which, by the way, uh, is a little publisher talk. Mm. Uh, uh, My publisher originally uh, wanted to use that title instead of this one, which would have been a really tragic mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I agree. I think love is just damn good business is if I do say so myself a damn good title it's a great it's yeah. a gr- it's a great title it's a great book I welcome all of our listeners to go pick up a copy so as we as we begin to wrap up here Steve tell me um, what is the one thing 
that you want our listeners to kind of take away from from your research, our conversation today? Um, how do they take this out into the world? Yeah, it's going to sound really simple, and and it is. It's also challenging. I would challenge everybody to bring the word love into the forefront. Hmm. Um, not that that's th- that's not the end. That's the beginning, right? It's not just about saying the right words and printing buttons that say we love our customers and all that crap. But I believe that if we if we consciously and I've said these words a lot the last few minutes, consciously and intentionally, put love out there as the objective then it changes everything that we're trying to do, right? We've used a lot of euphemisms over the years, words like um, passion, which is a great word, and engagement, which is a great word. But if you call it love, you could do the same thing. You could have the same conversation. You can go through the same values clarification exercise. But there's something about raising that aspiration of whatever it is you're trying to do to that level that that really kind of changes everything. So I think start with that and see where it leads you. See if it leads to a new, uh, a new way of doing things. Try that experiment and then let us know what happens. I love it, and what's interesting for me is, 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 is my friends, my family, and, and my clients, I've never said, oh man, I am so engaged that's at right. the Tim Lanky exactly. Companies. I say I love this company. Yeah, that's Coming right. up on 15 years. Yeah. So, so I, I think, yeah, I, I can speak to that. And uh, if I were to sit down with Ken, and just ask him that simple question. How do you feel about the people that work here? That's the same answer. Yeah. Right? That's the same answer. He's not going to say, oh, they're, they're very satisfactory. <laughs> I'm so t- totally satisfied with them. I love it. Uh, and, you know, by the way, uh, you know, my, I came out of the Tom Peters company mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, so, you know, Tom was one of my mentors, along with Jim Kuzis and Barry Posner, Leadership Challenge guys. I've had, I've had amazing mentors. And my, my hope is that, that this book uh, – pays homage to them uh, in, in, in a way that, that makes them proud. Uh, but, you know, Tom and Ken were, uh, I believe they were frat brothers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Cornell. Cornell. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there's a, there's a, there's a common, there's, there's a common source that's, that's led to some really great stuff from it, a lot of people. If you go back to some of the gurus of this industry, you could link it back to, uh, and, and, and Ken's got some stories, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Some of these guys all had the same ideas, and same, not same ideas, but they all had this, this they were called to action, yeah. I think. So, yeah. so Steve, if people want to find out more about you, if they want to kind of kick the tires on you or, or find you online or elsewhere, where would you send them? Yeah, so a couple places, stevefarber.com is, is uh, kind of where I live. I've got all kinds of audios and all that. And then we have a resource page uh, associated with the book with uh, lots of great free stuff on there like study guides and other things that you could use to help implement this. Love is good biz, B-I-Z dot com. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Steve. Thank you so much for being a part of the Blanchard Leadership Podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, 
or Google Play or wherever you're listening, and please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Thanks, Chad, for bringing Steve Farber on your show. I just think he's terrific. And what a better title than, you know, love is just good business, damn good business. And, you know, I've said for a long time, love is the answer. What is the question? You know, and I think we just agree that the best companies I know of, they, uh, their number one customer is their people. And they create a culture where their people uh, have an opportunity to really love what they do. They can bring their brains to work. <laughs> they can, you know, make decisions. They can really feel like they're important. And when they feel loved and cared for and have an opportunity to excel and perform well, then what do they do? They go out of their way to take care of your customers. And uh, your customers then fall in love with them and, and your products. And uh, then what do they do? They become a raving fans of your organization. And uh, now, uh, what does that take care of? That takes care of the bottom line. And so uh, it's really so important that people understand uh, what Steve is saying here uh, and, and why it's just so important. And I know a lot of people, as he said, you know, the love word in business, they kind of shade away from. But that's what it really is. It's really creating an environment where people can really love what they do and when they love what they do, then they really go out of their way to create a loving environment and interactions with their customers. And wow, that's just a win, 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 win thing because what? Duh, the company starts to make money uh, and, and produce. So uh, uh, get Steve's book. Uh, it's coming out soon. And I think it's really going to be uh, one that's going to make a difference out there. So don't shy away from the, the word love. Remember, love is the answer. What is the question? Take care of yourselves. God bless. <laughs>